We are continuing this series, Wake Up, Wake Up. Has anyone enjoyed this series this month? It's been so powerful, Wake Up. Isaiah 43, verse 18 through 19 says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Perceive means to become aware or conscious of something to come to realize or understand. And in this series, we've been talking about being wide awake to the new thing God wants to do right now. Realizing what God is doing right now with our ears open, perceiving what he wants to do. Isaiah starts out by saying, forget the former things. Do not dwell in the past. Do you know to dwell means to live in? He says, stop living in the past. You know, there's nothing I would change about my husband other than one thing. I will tell you, it is that he would be more willing to get rid of old clothes. My husband has a problem with wearing the same clothes. He'd wear the same clothes for his whole life if it wasn't for me. Like they're ripping, they're, they're stained and too small for you. And he's like, well, I like it. I have good memories in these clothes. They're comfortable. And I spend most of my time convincing him that there are better things available. There are newer and nicer things available. And if you're impressed with his outfit today, I dressed him, thank you very much. If he wore what he wanted to wear, like, wow. <laughs> you know, many of us are living in old things. We're living in old things. And Isaiah says, stop dwelling in or stop living in the past. Some of us are living in old disappointments, old failures, old sin and guilt and shame and mistakes of the past. Some of us are living in past moves of God of what he did five or 10 years ago, which is incredible to remember, but we're never meant to stay there. You know, in the Old Testament, uh, when the Israelites were in the wilderness, God provided manna from heaven to feed them. And he provided fresh manna for, the, for, for them every single day. And he told them very specifically, do not keep manna overnight. Do not keep what I gave you yesterday because I have a new thing for you. God always has a new thing for us. God is always speaking something new, doing something new. And that's what we believe God is saying right now is I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Pastor Dustin says the question is not if God is doing something, but if we can see what God is doing. Isaiah goes on to say, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Now it springs up. We learned a few weeks ago in the series that the picture God is painting here when he says springs up is like a plant that finally sprouts or breaks ground. And it's interesting to me that God describes the new thing he wants to do as something that is alive. And if there's anything that we need to know about our God, it is that he is a God of life. Yeah. 
God is a God of life. God creates life, God produces life, he gives life. He is in and of himself life. He is the source of life. It is a lie from the enemy that God wants to take your life. God wants to take your joy. You ever heard this? God wants to take my freedom. God wants to take my pleasure. No, that's a lie. He is the source of life. In fact, all over your Bible, it talks about how God is a God of life. I'll tell you a few examples. In the beginning, in Genesis, God breathed the breath of life into Adam. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God, our Bibles are alive and active. John 4.10 tells us that Jesus is the living water. He's not just water, he's a living water. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the Come on, help me preach. He's the? Jesus declared, I am the bread of? Jesus said, I have come that you may have and have it to the full. Jesus is the resurrection and the? God is a God of life. Are you catching this? He's a God of life. And that's what Isaiah is showing us is that he wants to bring life to dead places. Because John 10, 10, uh, I believe it's 10.10. Yes, 10.10 says, that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And there are certain places, people, and situations that the enemy has killed that God wants to bring to life. Any dead place is any situation that is painful, that is defeated, that is hopeless, that is regressing, which means getting worse. It's dormant, which means it's staying the same. Any situation that's disappointing has been given up on, or any person who is far from God, who does not know God. Any place or situation or person who is not full of life, God wants to do a new thing in. He wants to do a new thing in, and he wants to bring every dead situation to life. Would you open up your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 37 this morning? Ezekiel chapter 37 starting in verse one. The title of this passage in the Bible is called The Valley of Dry Bones. And the passage we're about to read is a vision that God gives the prophet Ezekiel showing him what he wanted to do in Israel. So this is Ezekiel perceiving the new thing that God wanted to do in Israel. Starting in verse one, it says, the hand of the Lord was on me. And he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle, very important, in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise 
a rattling sound, and bones came together bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, the breath into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. What a powerful passage of scripture that is. Again, this is Ezekiel perceiving what God wants to do in Israel. And there's a reason why God needed Ezekiel to understand what he wanted to do. And it's not because Ezekiel wanted to be in the know. He wanted to be special and important and just know what no one else knew. That's not why God spoke this to him. God spoke this vision to Ezekiel because Ezekiel had a responsibility. And if you're taking notes this morning, subtitle of today's message is I have a responsibility. Everyone say, I have a responsibility. We have a responsibility. Now, I have a vulnerable question for us on this Sunday morning, but we're all family here, so we can be honest in the house of God. Um, by a show of hands, how many of you have ever slept in past your alarm before? Okay, wow, all right, it's most of us. Pastor Brent, did you raise your hand? Oh my word, how? I never knew, wow. Pastor Brent has sinned once in his life. I'm just kidding. Sleeping in, I said a long time ago, sleeping in is the worst feeling in the world, is it not? It's the worst feeling in the world. See, something you need to know about me is I have a gift. I have a gift of sleeping. I can sleep anywhere through anything at any time. And this was especially an issue when I was single, but now that I'm married, it's been great accountability. <laughs> I wake up at my 15th alarm. Marshall wakes up at his first and he always makes sure I wake up on time. Sleeping in is the worst feeling in the entire world. And you know, when I became a mom, people would say, you will sleep light as a feather. You will never sleep again. Lies, that did not happen to me. I can still sleep like a rock. <laughs> but when you sleep in past your alarm when you're supposed to be somewhere, it is such an awful feeling. Why is that? It's because someone gave us a responsibility. Someone was trusting us. Someone was depending on us. Someone was expecting us. And we slept in. Do you know that God has given each of us a responsibility in the new thing he wants to do? God is expecting us. God is depending on us. God needs us. He has given us a responsibility. But many of us are sleeping in. Sleeping in, which means we can't see what he's doing. We can't hear his voice. We can't sense him. We can't feel him. We're not obeying because we're asleep. Others of us are just snoozing on God and saying what I say almost every morning, five more minutes. Just give me five more minutes, please. Marshall's like, we have to go right now. Five more minutes, God. Just, I will obey you. I will be ready once I get married. Once I graduate college and have my degree, once I'm making enough money, once I'm done having my family and we're established and we get our feet up under us, once I get the house I want 
Then I'll be ready. Five more minutes. And God is saying, we cannot afford to sleep in on the responsibility he's given us any longer. He needs you. God needs you. God needs the gifting you have. God needs the ability you have. God needs the passions that you have, the resources that you have, the generosity that you have. God needs you. And we have to wake up because we have a responsibility. And this passage of scripture in Ezekiel shows us what our responsibility is. See, it starts off by saying that the hand of the Lord was on me. In the message version, it says, God grabbed me. And he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of the valley and it was full of bones. So God took Ezekiel out of where he was and into where God wanted him to be. Should I say out of a living place and into a dead place? Sometimes we think it's the enemy who takes us to dead places. Sometimes it's God. Why? Because God wants to bring dead things to life. And God wants to use us to bring dead places to life. So sometimes God will take us to a dead place. Now, to illustrate this a little bit for you, uh, if you don't know, I'm a huge movie person. Any movie people in the house? Okay, you might know what I'm talking about. If you've seen a zombie apocalypse movie, you know what I'm talking about, okay? This is in all of them. You name it, it's in all of them. And uh, trust me, I haven't seen one since I got saved. I'm a pastor now. Um, but this will always happen. There's a bunch of survivors, and they get together, and they hunker down, and they build themselves a safe haven or a fortress. And they separate themselves from the dead. And they'll build these big walls. And, and then inside the walls, inside the community, it's thriving, it's growing. There's farming and animals and kids running around and all is jolly inside the walls. <laughs> is it Christmas time or what? <laughs> jolly, wow. <laughs> It's all happy, fun and games inside the walls and, and the camera zooms out and outside the walls, it is completely dead, desolate and nothing growing. Do you know this is the picture of many believers' lives? God saves us, we have a relationship with him and then it's our closest family and friends and we're all going to church and we're moving up corporate ladders and we're inside our walls and everything is great but outside the walls there are dead places that God wants to bring to life. And living inside of our walls is fine, except for the fact that God is saying, who is going to go outside of the walls to bring those dead places back to life? What are our walls? They are our comfort zone. It's our usual. It's what we're comfortable with. But there are dead places that God wants to bring to life. We are called to infiltrate, not to isolate. And if we're not careful, we will isolate away from dead places when God's called us to infiltrate dead places. Do you know you are a part of a church that infiltrates? We are not running from places of need. We're running to places of need. That's exactly what Dream Center Dallas does. We're saying we are not going to run from, we're running to. 
We're not isolating away from dead places. We're infiltrating. The new thing that God wants to do is going to require something new from you. See, a lot of us want the new thing, but we don't want to do anything new. We want to stay inside our walls. No, the new thing that God wants to do is going to require something new from you. New priorities, new rhythms, a new schedule, a new level of giving, a new level of commitment, a new level of prayer, a new level of consecration, a new level of outreach. It's going to require something new. So God took Ezekiel out of a living place and into the middle of the valley of dry bones. And then it says in verse 2, he led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. So God takes Ezekiel hand in hand and walks him, takes his time with Ezekiel to show him every inch of this valley. It's interesting to me that God would do that because I was thinking, couldn't God show Ezekiel just a bird's eye view of the valley? He could have gotten the point. Or he just brought him to the outskirts of the valley and Ezekiel could have saw this is a bad situation and gotten the point. But God took his time to make sure Ezekiel saw how bad this was, what the enemy had done. Our responsibility, number one, is to see the dead place. See it. Identify it. Assess it. We cannot run or turn a blind eye or disregard dead places. We have to identify dead places. Seeing the new thing God wants to do starts with seeing what is dead. Marsha and I went to a couple's counseling session, which was fun, highly recommend it. Um, And the counselor was teaching us about forgiveness. And he was telling us that oftentimes, especially Christians, think forgiveness is a one-step process. He was teaching us it's actually a four-step process. Some, a lot of people will just disregard the pain for the sake of forgiving and moving forward. But he said that the first step to forgiveness is to assess the damage. Interesting. To identify how did this affect me? How did this affect my relationships? How did this affect my mindset? What was the damage First step to forgiveness is assessing the damage. Side note, do you know that that's how God forgives us? He doesn't turn a blind eye to sin. He does not disregard sin. He doesn't just look away from sin. No, he sees it all. That's why Jesus had to die on the cross for all of us. And here's the good news that the blood of Jesus covers all of our sin. And God doesn't disregard our sin, but the Bible says that he actually intentionally grabs our sin and throws it into the sea of forgetfulness. So anyone in the room who's beating yourself up, feeling like shameful and condemnation for sin that you've committed, God forgives you. He forgives you. Progress starts with seeing the damage. My question for you this morning is what has died in you? Where did the enemy get in? What happened? What's died? What part of your identity has died? What part of your joy, your hope, your love for God, love for people has died? Not only what's died in you, but what's died in those around you. Those around you, in our society, 
in our culture, in the next generation. We can't keep turning a blind eye to the enemy wreaking havoc in our world. We have to identify, identify and see what is dead. So God took Ezekiel into the valley of dry bones. And then verse four, it says that God said to Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says, pause. Because this is where perceiving what God is speaking comes into play. As God first spoke to Ezekiel before anything else happened. Couldn't God have spoken to the valley himself? Yeah, but he chose to use Ezekiel. Can God bring dead things to life? Yes, but he chooses to use us. Can God drop money into a bank account and pay for the Dream Center in full? Absolutely, but he chooses to use us to be generous. God chooses to use us to tithe. God chooses to use us to pray and declare for healing. God chooses to use us to prophesy and share a prophetic word with someone else, to show love to someone else. God always chooses to use us. That's the importance of hearing what God has to say. God's word will always go before his hand. Pastor Dustin says that the word of God makes room for the work of God. And there's a big difference between God's voice and our opinion. And we cannot get the two confused. If it was me in this valley, God showed it to me, I would have said, I know exactly how to clean this up. I know exactly who to call, I'd call Casey Kitch. We're gonna get this cleaned up in no time. I know exactly what we need to do, three-step process. But the problem was that this valley was not a mess that God wanted to clean up. It was a dead situation that God wanted to bring back to life. And only the word of God can do that. Our opinions cannot do that. Our five-year plan can't do that. Only the work, the power, and the voice of God can bring dead places to life. That's why we need to hear what God says more than what we say. And we need to stop being so focused on my opinion and what I think and posting about what we think and more about this is what God says. What does God say about your dead situation? What does God say? If you can't hear him, if you can't see it, if you can't sense it or feel it, then we learned this last week, you can read it. You can read it. Because for every dead place in our lives, there is a promise from God in the Bible. There is a word from God already written for every dead situation that we face. At the beginning of the year, a sailor was three weeks old. So I have a newborn and I wake up one day in excruciating pain in my eye. And uh, I can't see through it. I can't open it at all. It was so painful. I finally go to the bathroom and I force my eyelid open and I can't see through it at all. It was completely black. And so we start doing some research and Googling. Um, don't recommend that one. <laughs> Apparently I'm going to lose my eye and be blind in three days. We're like, well, maybe we should try this and maybe this is what it is. I'm pretty sure we diagnosed it four times. Well, let's try these eye drops. Let's try this. It just got worse. Eventually I had to go see the doctor and hear what the doctor had to say. The one who really knows 
what it is. At some point, we have to hear what God has to say. And we need to stop thinking about, well, this is what I think should happen with our government. And this is what I think so-and-so should do. And this is what I think the church should do. And this is where I think my budget and my finances should go. No, what does God say? What does God say? So God spoke to Ezekiel. And it says in verse 7 that Ezekiel prophesied as he was commanded. It says, as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and bones came together bone to bone. Verse 10, so I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Our responsibility, number one, is to see where God wants to move, hear how he wants to move, lastly, speak 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 out of our mouths with our words what he wants to do speak to the dead place do you know that the actual translation for a prophet in the bible means a spokesperson one who speaks on behalf of god that's what the prophetic is it's speaking it's not just hearing it's not just listening and being aware and writing it in our journal it's speaking out of our mouths Dead things don't need death spoken over it, but life spoken over it. Proverbs says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. It's what we speak. It's what we speak, what we're speaking over things. Sometimes we speak death over dead things, and that's not going to help. We have to speak the word of God over dead situations, over every situation. Speak what God says. You know, Jesus in the Bible, he never asked for miracles. There would be a sick person, and he would never ask, God, would you heal them? God, would you open their eyes? Would you open their ears? God, would you raise Lazarus from the dead? No, he always commanded. He always commanded. He had authority to command. And sometimes we have to stop asking and start commanding because God's given you power and authority in your words. He says to prophesy to the dead place, prophesy to the dead bones that they would live. Stop asking and start commanding. Jesus said, Lazarus, rise up, come out. He told the man on the mat, rise, get up take up your mat and walk. It was a command. It was not a request. And it's time to start commanding what the word of God says. Not what we say, but what the word of God says. Commanding healing in your body. Commanding restoration, unity in your family. Commanding the next generation to know God. Commanding our nation to know God and to serve God and to worship God. Stop asking and start commanding. Uh, we have a son, nine months old, sailor, and ever since he was born, we're thinking about what do we want to say over sailor? Like if I could, if I could decide just a few things of what I would want him to be known as, known of in, in his life, what would it be? And I'm like, oh my word, the list goes on and on and on. Hard worker, honest, integrous, loving, generous, loves his word, kind, servant. I mean, you just go on and on. And so finally I was reading in the Bible one day 
And I was reading about John the Baptist, and Luke says this about John the Baptist. It says, the child grew to be strong in spirit. All of a sudden, God said, that's it. That's what you need to speak over Sailor, that he would grow strong in spirit. And Jesus, it says, the Bible says that he grew to be, uh, grew in favor with God and man. That's it. The word of God. That's what we need to speak. Not what I think. What I think would be good for his life. No, God, what do you say? And we have to console God and say, God, what do you say? And I'm not just going to think about it. I'm going to speak it. I'm going to declare it. I want to encourage us today to speak over yourself, over your kids, over your spouse, over your church, over your pastors, over your city, over your government, over your finances, over your health, the word of God. I want to say this as we close. Don't write off a dead place because you think it's too far gone. Don't write off a dead place and think, oh, that's just how it is. No, God wants to bring every dead place back to life. Do you know this valley, it had dry bones, which means it was there for years. It had been that way for years. And God said, I can still do it. Some of us, a situation has been this way for years. And so we think it is what it is. And God says, no, 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 don't write it off. I love Jeremiah 32, 27. God says, is anything too hard for me? Is anything too hard for me? Nothing is too big for God. No situation, no brokenness, no mental health issues. No, no broken relationships, no financial struggles, nothing is too big for God. I sense um, that there were some people who have tried speaking God's word and it hasn't worked and so you've given up on it. What's interesting about this passage is that Ezekiel did not speak once. He spoke once and some things happened, but there was no breath into, the, into them. And so God said, speak again. And I feel like God's saying over someone, speak again. Try again. Don't you give up. I'm still working. I'm still moving. Don't give up on it.